0: Special shout out to Richard Hoyt for helping me out this morning. Messed up a few things this morning, but he helped me fix it up, so. Uh, There's always people in the back that make us look good. Brandy's back there making me sound good, sound better than what I usually sound like. Thank you, Brandy. Appreciate it. Um, I know there's a lot of, you know, I know there was the the hour delay with uh, the time I lost an hour of sleep last night. I know you did too. So I know there's that going on, so hopefully you don't fall asleep during my message. I'll forgive you if you start nodding off. I took off my glasses so I wouldn't see who you are. I don't see your face right now, so it's all right. But um, I also know there's a lot of sickness going on, and I know there's a lot of concern out there about the sickness and everything. And I understand, we need to be careful, we need to be watchful, but also we also need to continue to put our faith and trust in God, right, because He's the one that takes care of us, He's the one that provides for us watches over us. But today as we start this series talking about hero, I'm excited and I hope that you get something out of it today. Um, Mark, me and Mark are going to work on this together. I'm going to be preaching the first two and then he's going to take over the rest. But uh, I really like this this thought because I think there's all these other religions out there. There's over 4,000 some religions that want an experience of a God of some type. Uh Uh-oh, that's not a good sign. Just teasing. (laughs) Um, But anyhow, whatever it may be, what may ever may happen in this world, that that there's a a desire to create some type of hero. There's over a 1,000 Marvel characters uh, that we've created over the years through comic books, and we're seeing some of those movies unfold. And like everybody else, I enjoy them. I think they're kind of neat and uh, but isn't it interesting and this is what I think about is that there's this underlining truth that we all look for that we all want to hear it we all want somebody to come rescue us we, we we fantasize that in so many ways and yet we have the real one we know the real Savior the real God the the one that came to rescue us all he's the hero and his name's Jesus and so as we talk about this, what I want to talk about today really is about how he came to us, his identity, how, how he came to us. and Because sometimes we, we see the after effects of what Jesus did after he came and, and he died and he rose again, and we know him as Jesus Christ, right? But he wasn't Jesus Christ until after his death. He was just Jesus of Nazareth. He was just Uh, A regular, in some ways, a regular guy. Maybe a lot of people thought he was different, but they didn't know who he really was. And that's what we're going to dive into, what we're going to look at. So if you want to follow along with me, I'll take my time as we're kind of getting things figured out. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53. If you want to go to Isaiah chapter 53, I do have uh, the Bible app if you have your phones and you want to look through that. I did mess up that too. (laughs) I had a rough week, evidently. (laughs) But uh, there's just one scripture, there's one word that's uh, uh, misspelled and then there, uh, I left out revelation at the end and I'll tell you about that one later. You can add that to that plan. But all the other scriptures should be all right, Well, should be all right, well, I'm not gonna guarantee it. Isaiah chapter 53, this is what it says. He grew up before him like a tender shot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from the people who hide their faces, he was despised and we had, low, had in low esteem. One of the things I wanna share with you today is that Jesus didn't come in all of his glory or all of his power. There was no beauty. There was no majesty that he came with. He came as a, a tender shot, which the idea with that is that he came very vulnerable, very innocent to us, and there was no, no looking at him. You would not say, this is going to be the savior of the world. It's not like Superman, which I grew up looking at Superman. My first uh, movie I remember going to at the drive-in was to see Superman, and Christopher Reeves is always my Superman. I mean, he's just, he was just great, right? But this is so much bigger than Superman. But as Superman had the identity of Clark Kent, and he kept his identity as Superman a secret, Jesus came not as the son of God with all of his power, with all of his glory, with all of his might, with all of his beauty, with all of his majesty. He came as a regular person. And it says here, there was nothing about his appearance that would have drawn us to him. There was nothing that you would look at and say, this is somebody I wanna follow. This is somebody that, that's nice in his appearance, that looks great. You know, the pictures that we have of Jesus are probably not accurate. One, a lot of the pictures have blue eyes and we know that if he was an Israelite, he probably wouldn't have had blue eyes. And he doesn't have this flowing, uh, nice, beautiful hair like we have in so many pictures, like he just came from a salon or something. Jesus was rugged the, the world at that time was rugged And Jesus didn't come In a way that you would be like That's Jesus He came as, as vulnerable Innocent Just right there for him to be just plucked out And he came to the world in such a way To show us the way and that was part of his identity that he took on. He could have came to us in glory and power and majesty and beauty, but we had all been scared. We would all have ran away and been afraid. Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, they hid themselves. God had not changed, but they knew that they had changed and they became afraid of him. In the same way, Jesus didn't want that approach, so he came to us in a way that we could receive him Accept him, touch him, hold him, talk to him, approachable. That's the way he came to us. John chapter one, verse 45. We're gonna be moving quite a bit because I wanna kinda get a snapshot of all these things. John chapter one, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And about whom the prophets also wrote Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph Nazareth can anything good come from there Nathanael asked isn't this interesting that even one of his future disciples is saying Nazareth like he's coming from there is is anything good from there See, Jesus didn't grow up in a popular city. He didn't come from a well-known family. He didn't come from, from any of these things. It was like, it was minuscule. It was like the ghetto. It was like the, 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 the outside tar- part of town that you wouldn't want to go to. This little dinky town called Nazareth and there was nothing that would have made a statement So Jesus came from nowhere. He came from a background as he lived his life as a young boy in this world. He came to us as a baby, of course, but he lived a life in simplicity and and being a carpenter's son. He didn't have fame or have wealth or was well known or came from a, a place that were like, wow, you came from Beverly Hills. You're really, oh, we're excited to have you here. Where do you live at? That's great, or whatever your own city that you like so much, but he didn't come from a popular place, a place that was known to have a lot of famous people or a lot of people that were well known. That's how he chose to come. He came to us like that. He wanted to come to us in a way. So I want to just, as we do this, I want you to think back at this time not when you've heard Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, but think about how the, everyone else received him, how everyone else at this time that we read these scriptures, that they're thinking that Jesus, like, who is Jesus? What is Jesus about? Is, is he this person or is he that person? You know, who is this Jesus? Matthew chapter 27, verse 16, says this. It says at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd gathered around, Pilate asked them, which one of these do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. So it's interesting here as we, we study history, They have actually found over 70 tombs with the name Jesus on it. And the name Jesus does mean something important. It's deliverer, rescuer, savior. But the fact is, is that a lot of people had the name of Jesus. It was like one of those things like, hey, I like the name Jesus. I I think that has a good ring to it. And they started using people's names as Jesus all over the place. So in other words, Jesus' name was not unique. It wasn't like a name that ever would be like, well, that's an important name. You know, Oh, well, yeah. well, that's. Uh, I was like, that's kind of, I don't know how I did that, but it was kind of weird. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> the fact is, is that, that he didn't come with Alexander the Great or he didn't become Jesus was just another Jesus. There's, there's another Jesus. Even the fact that there's another, offering here a pilot saying you have jesus who is called the messiah of nazareth and you have jesus over here who is jesus of barabbas That there's two jesus's but see jesus didn't care about just having a name that was common because he didn't come here to make a name for himself He was a, God wanted him to have that name because he was gonna be the deliverer, the rescuer, all those things, Yeshua. But he didn't care about it not being unique or different or special. It didn't bother him that other people had that same name because he was gonna make it mean more because he was actually gonna deliver on the promise of that name. So he had a common name. Mark chapter 10, verse 42, it says this. So Mark chapter 10, verse 42, that's what we're gonna look at next. I'll pause for a second if you'd like to turn there. Okay, your second's up. <laughs> I'm being hey, I didn't have much, none of us had much sleep, okay? So if I'm acting a little, I started acting a little goofy, you just bear with me, okay? Hopefully you'll still get something out of my message. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Jesus called to them together and said, You know that those who are, in regar, are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their officials uh, rest, uh, exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be come great among you must first become a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Even For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus didn't come to set up his kingdom here upon earth. That's the hard thing that everybody else is kind of looking at Jesus, and they're kind of thinking, They want him to be the leader of a kingdom of the Jews here upon earth. That's not what Jesus came to do. He came to serve. He didn't come to be served like a king. He came to serve each one of us, to pay a debt we could not pay, to shed his blood for each one of us. So he came to serve. John chapter five, verse 18. So John, chapter five, verse 18. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. And not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, truly, I tell you, The son cannot do anything by himself. He can only do what he sees his father is doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Jesus came to honor the Father. He came to bring glory to his heavenly Father. He came to show us the way that you can honor God with your life. So he wanted to bring honor and glory to his Father. And if we look at another passage, John chapter eight, so just a few chapters over, John chapter eight, it says this in verse 48. John chapter eight, verse 48. The Jews answered him, Aren't the, you, we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not demon by, possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. So again, Jesus is just saying, I'm here to honor the Father. I'm here to serve. I'm here to make a difference in the lives of people. I'm here to represent my father and serve him. I think about all the things that Jesus could have done, all the things that, that he went through, and how tempting it must have been to just say, here, here I am, see me for what I am. But it's almost like if we go back to that Clark Kent thing, you know, with Superman, he didn't want to show his full, true identity to us at that moment because he came for a different purpose. He came to lay down his life for me and you. That was his mission. In other words, there was no, he was not an author. He didn't write an autobiography. He didn't make a statue of himself. He didn't have chariots. He didn't have anything really, hardly any money. Judas made sure of that thank you thank you I appreciate it Uh, but he came to serve he came to make a difference he wasn't about making a name for himself he came for a mission and a purpose and he was here to honor his father with his life Matthew 16 verse 13 it says this he asked his disciples saying Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Think about that for a second. Jesus is trying to get a pulse of what people think about him. He's asking, "What are people saying about me?" Well, some say you're a prophet. Not really sure which one, but you're a prophet. Maybe you're Jeremiah. Maybe, maybe you are uh, Elijah. Maybe, maybe you're John the Baptist who's come back from being beheaded and you're, you're John the Baptist. <clears throat> and we see other cases like the scripture I read a little while ago that some thought he was possessed by a demon. There's a lot of confusion during the life of Jesus who he is. They don't know for sure. In fact, what we read there was even all of his disciples were having the same kind of questions because the way Jesus interacts with them. Because he recognizes that Peter did not know that himself. What does he say there? He says, you don't know this because of flesh and blood, because of you, you've been revealed to this by my Father in heaven who's revealed this to you. The only reason you're able to say that I am the Messiah is because God revealed it to you. God just now spoke to you and told you that I am the Messiah. You did not really fully accept this yet until now. Think about how hard it must have been. It isn't like sometimes even me, we get prideful. It's like, my name is this. I live at this house. I have done all these things. I am somebody important. When you're really, you're really not. But Jesus had every right to say all those things. This is who I am. This is how you should accept me. This is, you should bow down to me right now. I've come to die for you. But no, imagine the power, the the restraint he had to say, I'm just living my life to serve my Father in heaven. I have come not to be served, but I'm come to serve you, to die for you. Being rejected. No one knows who you are. Everybody's confused. Nobody really recognizes you for being who you are. And we see that further proof in John chapter 14. If you'd like to go to it, John chapter 14, verse 8. I'll hold on a second. Give you time to go there. John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Man, this this cuts Jesus deep. Jesus' response to this is powerful to me. Don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you, such a long time anyone who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father how can you even ask that of me when you've been around me for such a long time how can you ask me to show you the father when you've been with me all these years continuing on Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? And the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say to you that I am am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Do you hear that? He's saying, even if you don't accept me as your Messiah, even if you don't like the way I look, or like the what I've done, or my name, if you don't like me, look at my works. Look what I've done. If you can't believe, if you can't wrap your head around me being the Messiah and me being God's son, look at the things I've done. Look at the works I've, 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 I've completed, I've healed, I've touched, I've raised the dead. Believe on those. Wow. Man, it must have been so hard for Jesus at times because, you know, he's so close. He wants to show them. He wants them to see. But yet there's such unbelief at times. They say, hey, just believe in my works. If you can't accept me, at least believe in the things I've done. At least believe in the things I'm about. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So who was he? Was he demon possessed? Was he John the Baptist? Was he Elijah? Was he Jeremiah or one of the prophets? These were the questions that all the people, even his own disciples, even the people that were closest to him still had questions about. This was his identity. A lot of times we just like to go straight to the narrative that Jesus is our savior, that, that Jesus died for us. And that's all true, that's all very powerful. And I think we need to realize how he approached us, how he came to us, how he was willing to let go of all of his glory, all of his power in heaven and come here upon earth to be tempted by Satan to be led uh, to, to his death for all of us. Mark chapter 14, verse 49. Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When he, they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. I don't know about you, but I always thought that was a peculiar scripture to include there that this one young guy just lost his, you know, just took off and he was naked. But that shows the situation here that Jesus was just deserted. He was left. That Jesus had followers, yes. But when it came down to it, when the moment came, that they just took off and left him. They were scared when the temple guards came and arrested Jesus and they were terrified. They didn't stay with him. I always thought about this, and one of the scriptures that just touches my heart is when Jesus had no one to stay watch with him and pray with him. It's like, man, I wish I could have been there. And, and pray with him and, and I wouldn't have fallen asleep. But you know what, that's probably a lie because I live in the flesh and I probably couldn't have stayed up either. Everyone deserted Jesus. Everyone left, his closest disciples, John, Peter, James, they just took off. They weren't this proud rebellion that was gonna start. There was no, no need for them to come with him at swords and knives, trying to arrest him. That's what he's saying. I've been with you. I've been among you. And now you choose to come in darkness to come and get me. When you could have seized me at any opportunity you wanted, and I would have willingly came and went with you. That's how Jesus came to us. He didn't care that he was going to be deserted. He didn't care if anybody else knew who he was or anybody stand with him and say, hey, I'll die with you, I'll stand up for you, Jesus. He had no one to stand up for him. He was led to a lamb like a slaughter. He had no one that had his back. That was the identity he was willing to take on for all of us. He was willing to take that identity and say, I'll do that for them, I'll be a hero. Nobody else, no support, no fanfare, no claps. You know, he came in Jerusalem just a week before this and everybody was excited, here just a little bit longer and a few days later, no one, not even his closest followers are with him. They desert him and yet he's still willing to die still willing to lay down his life for all of us, even though he was hated, even though he was abused, even though the people didn't fully understand who he was. It didn't matter, he didn't come for that. He didn't come to make a name for himself. His purpose in coming was to show us the way and to lay down his life for us. It's amazing that we only hear about a few people that started following him and about 500 people that saw him alive after his death, but then it explodes. It goes from just deserted to people believing and trusting in him to going out throughout the world. And now there's like 2 billion people that are Christians in this world. But he didn't come just to make a place for him to sit and rest and put his feet up. He didn't come to be glorified in all the world's glory. He came to save. He came to be a hero. He came to rescue us. Here's what some of glimpses glimpse that we have. Not all of it, but here's a glimpse in Revelation 19, verse 11. We see this is who Jesus really is. This is, this is the Jesus that we'll see in the future. This is the Jesus that, that is, was Jesus, but became this other character to fulfill the mission that his God had sent him on. His Father in heaven asked him to do these things. He is the Word of God and made flesh and led his life to die for each one of us. Revelation 19, verse 11, it says, A white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. This is Jesus. With justice, he judges and wages wars. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head is many crowns. He has a name written on him that is is not like no other, no one else knows but himself. He is dressed in robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of the heavens were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Not armies, nations will be struck down. He will rule with them an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So, one day we'll see him in all of his glory. One day we'll witness Aren't you, wouldn't that be so awesome? I mean, it's gonna be, it's just gonna be so amazing just to come into his presence and see him and see him in his glory, see him in his power. But thankfully, praise God, he didn't come to us like that because we had all been afraid. We had all been scared. We had all been trembling at our feet or on our knees or probably just prostrate on the ground, scared to death because we know we have sin, But Jesus said, hey, I'll let go of it all. I'll create this identity of Jesus and I'll be this person to show them the way that I'll take all my majesty, all my power, all my glory, and I'll take all that off and I'll come as Jesus. And I will die for their sins, this perfect and spotless lamb, and I'll lay down my life for them. But he didn't lay it down forever did he he's picked it right back up because he was able to conquer death hell and the grave and he stands at the right hand of god so in this message series what i would like for you to get from this is this is that jesus approach was to be approachable jesus wanted you to know that you could come to him And I think we sometimes push all the years that we read about Jesus, and we just push it all together. And we also take our perspective and look at Jesus from this side of what we've seen. But I wanna challenge you this week. and I wanna encourage you because there's more things that we can look at or talk about or you can send me. So I wanna encourage you to send me if there's a scripture that touches you and speaks to you about this Jesus who came so innocently as a tender shot, who had no beauty or majesty or had all these things but came to serve and came to honor his father. I want you to share those things with me because there's way more. I could have done two messages or three messages just on this because there's so much there of how he was humble, how he was loving, how he was caring, how he touched the leper, the person with leprosy, how he spoke to those people, how he had compassion on Jerusalem, how he cared for those. He came so that we could receive him. And he didn't come to make him become this great person, did he? He didn't. It's just amazing. He came to serve, and his name is well more well-known than any other, uh, you know, uh, like I heard uh, Ken Blanchard talk about. You know, it's interesting because Jesus was more influential because you name your dog or cat or something like Alexander or things like that or all these other names, but you save the names of disciples for John or, you know, Matthew or Luke or all these other names. That, that's, that's the difference that Jesus has made in this world. He's left a legacy. And he didn't want to just have his name known. What he wanted was for you to know him in a relationship with him. So I invite you, if you don't know Jesus, or if you want to share and tell somebody about Jesus, remember how he came. Remember how he came. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for everything you do. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. So I go back to Philip and I think about, Lord, he didn't fully understand what he was saying, I don't think, and he just wanted to see more. But Lord, he'd already seen enough to know who you were. But thank you that you were so open that you just said to him, Philip, if you can't, if you can't accept me in the way I look or the way I appear, Look at the things I've done. Look and see what's around you. See how I'm fulfilling what God has called me to do. So Lord, help us to think about you and uh, to realize how you came to us, that you came to us uh, like a tender shot. You, You didn't have majesty or beauty, but you came to us because you loved us and you wanted to serve us and you wanted to serve your father. You wanted to bring glory to him. And even with the transfiguration, Peter was like, hey, let's make a statue of you, statue of Moses, statue of Elijah. And you said, no, because you didn't want a statue. You wanted people to give their lives to you. But first you knew that you had to give your life. Thank you that you didn't come just to set up a kingdom here, but you have a greater kingdom. And that kingdom will be in heaven forever and ever. And all of us that choose to follow you and call upon you as Lord and Savior, we get to be with you because of your love for us. Thank you for coming to us like this and showing us the way. In your wonderful name I pray, Jesus. Amen.